Hey, everybody. It's 12 noon on Wednesday. And you know what that means. It's time for the podcast, the Pastor Mike Job Podcast. Hello, Emily. How um, are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. It's good to be back in person uh, this week. Last week, I um, did the hosting remotely from yes. our uh our, from Charlotte to our grandson's house and yes. our granddaughter's house. That cool. was really fun. What a great week you had. Man, it was it was awesome. It was awesome. I was glad I could still do this. Uh, but it's always good to be with family, yeah. especially to meet new family, new yeah, additions. It's yeah, a big congratulations. Deal. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of new, we turn the page to a new gospel today. Yeah. And we have two wonderful pastors from our Hope staff here to join Emily and I. Emily, yes. would you like to introduce our guest pastors? Yes. With us today, we have Pastor Nick Brannon and Pastor Richard Webb. Hi, guys. Howdy. Hello. Happy to have you. Happy to be here. Happy really to are. Uh, Richard is back again. And Nick, this is your. Your 23 debut, right? This, this something like you, that. You've been on before, yep. but, mm-hmm. and we'll have you on again. This is this has been great, uh, and thanks to all of you for joining us. We appreciate you so much. I want to say this too before we we dive right in, uh, and we're going to dive right in here in just a sec. But uh, we are hopefully going to be able to start taking some questions yeah. next week. So a lot of you are doing your Bible readings, and you have told me this and. This is the time now as we change books in the New Testament, Matthew to Mark, we're getting into some of the um, more technical stuff, uh, more law-based stuff in the Old Testament. It's sometimes hard to find the bridges of relevance there, but they're there. We're going to talk about that today uh, in one of our questions. But if that's you, we want to encourage you to continue with it. Dive in, Mm -hmm. do the readings, do the audio readings, uh, or listen to the audio readings, or, or however it is that you do it, keep with it. Ask your questions. We also have at our West Des Moines campus this weekend, Sunday Funday, where we're going to have a panel of pastors. I'm going to be on that panel. I'm excited about it. After the 11 o'clock service and after a lunch, uh, we're going to take just wide open questions. Just just bring them. Say, hey, I've been reading this. I wasn't sure what this meant. Maybe we didn't cover it on the podcast. Maybe we didn't cover it on one of our sermons uh, on the weekends or the Wednesday night Bible study in the Old Testament here in West Des Moines or any of the other things our other campuses are doing. Uh, So if you've got questions, that's good. We want you to bring them. We want you to ask them. Uh, and we want to give you more forms for that. We're also bubbling up something for the season of Lent. Thursdays at noon, we're going to have a gathering where you can bring your hope group. Uh, and if you're not in a hope group, you can come and we'll get you connected into a discussion group. Um, there'll be like a five-minute overview of the reading. And then we'll have discussion guides based on the reading that will help you get deeper into it. So those three things coming soon yeah. to give people opportunities to stick with it. That yeah. sounds so exciting. That's just so cool. Yeah, it is. We we believe in the power of God's word, and yeah. we want we want to give people every we want to give you every opportunity you have um, as readers to not just read it, but to learn it, so mm-hmm. that you can live it out. Yeah. Well, for today, I have some questions. Are we ready? We got some questions. Let's get a little help. Why from don't Ted we just Lasso. jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh yeah, no, should have saw that coming. Okay, first one. What will our whole Holy Bible in a year readers notice about Mark's gospel that's distinctive from Matthew's? Nick. I'll jump in. Uh, Yeah. So when you look at the four gospels, it's almost like um, when someone covers a news story, the news mm-hmm. on different channels will tell the same story, but they're going to do it kind of in their way yeah. uh, or from different angles. And so um, so Mark is kind of like the person, the reporter who reported the story first. And uh, so other reporters might have heard from Mark and uh, you might see even word for word some of the things that Matthew uh, mm-hmm. took from Mark, but also 
Matthew put this emphasis on it because of the people he was writing the gospel to specifically. And so uh, it's like News Channel 5 wrote on the death and resurrection of Jesus, and News Channel 8, News Channel 13, 17, whatever channels. Uh, there's, there's four channels and through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Mark, it's very action-packed. It's very, it's very fast. One of his favorite words is immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, you'll, you'll see that again and again through the gospel of Mark, that things are, are moving swiftly. And the thing that I like about it, if you're following along with us, you're doing the readings, it's the shorter gospel. It is. Yeah. It's the shorter one. And yeah. so if you're like, okay, uh, I've been kind of busy. Uh, Pastor Mike, you said just a minute ago, uh, you know, maybe you've been doing your readings, maybe you fell behind. Mark is an easy one to jump in on. And mm. in fact, Yeah, this would be a good place to yeah. begin again. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or if you haven't began at all, this is the time to do it. And so, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, when someone says, hey, what book in the Bible should I start with? I usually usually recommend the Gospel of Mark. Yeah, that's great. No, that's cool. a good one. It's fun to hear you say it's action packed because as I was reading, it does kind of read more like a movie. And you're mm-hmm. just hearing more about the big crowds, and as Jesus was navigating that, yeah. it just feels like there's more detail about those big mm-hmm. things too. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the first verse where it opens, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, Mark one one. That is really the last time Mark's going to comment on who Jesus is. Yeah. The rest mm-hmm. of the way, he's just going to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yep. so it is action-packed, like you yeah. say, Nick. It, it is fast-moving. Immediately here, immediately there, we're jumping from story to story. Yeah. Mark doesn't even start with the Christmas stories or you know the mm-hmm. birth of Jesus or his childhood. Jumps right into he's grown up. You, you're going to get those other stories somewhere else probably later, even though Mark was written first. Yeah. It's worth noting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read somewhere that something like all but 31 verses of Mark are repeated, yeah. or at least the, the theme of them is repeated in the other three Gospels. Uh, so Mark is really the foundation. Even though it's the second book of the New Testament, it's the first one of the four Gospels. Almost every biblical scholar mm-hmm. thinks that, the first one written. Um, but it's moving. And, and Mark, is, Mark is such a brilliant author that he's writing it in such a way that it allows the reader to say... Mm-hmm. Mark is pushing the reader to say, you decide yeah. who yeah. this yeah. Jesus is. I'm going to tell you what he did. Uh-huh. I'm going to, one verse, I'm going to tell you he's the Messiah. He's mm-hmm. the Son of God. Yeah. And then I'm just going to tell you what happened yeah. so that you can figure it out for yourself. Right, even right to the ending, which is just mm-hmm. so like Sopranos, like abrupt. Oh. It, just, it, just, it just finishes Wham. and ends and it goes black. And it's like Mark's just basically saying, you decide. You, yeah. you, yeah. I've told you more than enough for you to believe mm-hmm. in this Jesus. Yeah. So here it is. There's also this other fun historical fact that Mark is probably John Mark. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. yeah. possible, a lot of scholars believe that John Mark was like a scribe or a secretary for Simon Peter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if Peter is like dictating this, mm-hmm. knowing Peter's personality, that he's a fast moving, just the facts, let's, mm-hmm. let's go action adventure type genre of a disciple that's going to probably come out in this gospel if Peter has any influence on it yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I really like is um, just the way Jesus talks about himself. And a lot of skeptics will say that in Mark's gospel, Jesus is not God. And, and they're thinking from a very Western standpoint, it's true. He does not say before Abraham was, I am, which is pretty blatant in the gospel of John. But uh, he does God things like um, you've, you've got the healing of the paralytic mm-hmm. where 
you know, he forgives the guy his sins. And, and if you've never read it, you go, well, why didn't he just heal him first? Except you look at the reaction of the religious people, and they know exactly what he did. And they said, this is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins except God alone? And Jesus is thinking, score, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Or there's a later one where, you know, they're eating food on the Sabbath, and Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. If you're a Jew, Jesus just called himself God. And he mm-hmm. just keeps doing this over and over again. But it's it, it's just indirect enough that the powers that be can't pin it on him. Right. Mm. And, and, he, and in fact, he even does this all the way to his trial. Yeah. You know, in other words, everybody knows what he's talking about, but it's always slightly indirect. Well, and we'll read next week. Jesus will say halfway through in Mark eight, "Who do you say that I am?" Uh-huh. He's he's paying attention to oh, yeah. to how the crowds are responding. I'm going to preach on that this weekend, mm-hmm. so won't say too much more about it here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, excellent point. Jesus, Mark isn't saying explicitly that Jesus is calling himself God like he does in, as it's recorded in the other Gospels. So we certainly have biblical evidence that Jesus says he's God. Yeah. But Mark, again, is putting it out there to say, let me just tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you some stories about this Jesus who did things only God could do. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have to make the call on that. And, yep. and so often, like the, the most influential movies don't come out where there's a line where they say, and the moral of the story is mm. they, they have this implied message that's within the narrative where we find ourselves. And, and that's what's so beautiful about uh, when we read the stories of Jesus. Mm, and it's yeah. good to, to know exactly what he teaches, yes. but to see what he does, mm-hmm. to see how he acts, and mm-hmm. it shows us the character of God himself. Yeah. Mark is saying, let me tell you something about Jesus without telling you. That's you know? right. Well, I'm going to tell you what he did yeah. instead yeah. of just saying, that, and therefore that means that he is this. Tell mm-hmm. me that you're the son of God without saying you're the son of God. That's, that's what the kids would say. Yeah, yeah. as the cool kids say. Yeah. Yeah, right. So that's Mark. Our Old Testament readings now are into Leviticus. Hello. People have feelings usually about that. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've and, noticed that. I'm getting, a, I'm getting a lot of comments on Leviticus. Uh-huh. I think Richard has different feelings. I Probably do too. Probably all three of you. Yeah, we're all pretty passionate yes. about Leviticus. Oh, oh yeah. Um, it was funny at our staff meeting yesterday. Yes. I said, hey, staff, who's excited about reading Leviticus? <laughs> and no kidding, only Nick, Richard, and I raised our hands. That That's the, no only, the only three that yes. I saw. That's really what happened. Yeah. That, that is really true. stranger than fiction. It is. Yeah. We're pretty pumped up about it. So tell us, why is reading the book of Leviticus mm-hmm worth our time, and isn't it, it irrelevant for a modern world? Richard. All righty. Um, start with a good doctor. Yes. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start with this, with the summary, and, and then okay. uh, if I get too much in the weeds, just someone rescue me. Um, <laughs> Will do. But um, all those sacrifices, a friend of mine is a veterinarian, and she's just appalled. You know? <laughs> it's like, why are they killing off Fluffy and Scruffy, you know? <laughs> um, uh-huh. And... Mm-hmm. One of the things that with all the pagan nations, sacrifices were kind of like uh, protection money for the mafia. So think of all the other gods of the other nations. It's basically a big supernatural mafia. Hmm. And so you had to give something that was worth something to you to buy protection money or to get your crops to grow or keep yourself from being invaded. And, And often it was actually your firstborn child. Mm-hmm. And that was the way you bought the god off. Where um, False gods, just false to be gods, clear. Yeah, yeah. These aren't Idols, real. Right. Yep. Um, so uh, there's this crazy scene in Genesis that's the basis for, for sacrifices in, in, in Leviticus where God says to Abraham and Sarah, go sacrifice your firstborn kid. And they're thinking, oh, business as usual. It's not good, but we got to do it. When they get up there, God reverses the whole thing by providing a ram. And whoever provides the sacrifice is the weaker party. Mm -hmm. And he's once again saying, as he said before, I've got a promise 
that I'm going to keep, that I'm using you to rescue the planet, and I'm the one affirming my promise to you rather than you referring your promise to me. Mm-hmm. And so sacrifices are almost like demonstrations of loyalty. Mm-hmm. And God flips it and says, I'm demonstrating my loyalty. Now let's go to Leviticus. All those sacrifices, you know, if I can stay out of the weeds, to do two things. One is they demonstrate that humanity is a mess. And whenever humanity becomes a mess, they need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But the sacrifice is not to somehow buy off God or make him happy. No. It's a revealing of the fact that the God who always is loyal forgives. And so the sacrifice creates a window for them to experience God's loyalty once again. Yeah, that, that reminds me of something that I read that might help some of our readers deal with Leviticus in a, in a little bit of an easier way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is format and the other is what's going on before and after. Yeah. Toward the end of Exodus, Moses goes into the tabernacle, which is which is going to be the place where God resides within the Ark of the Covenant. And he's not able to stay, and so he has to come out mm-hmm. at the base of, the Mount, of Mount Sinai to start to reestablish God's law with God's people who have fallen away. Mm-hmm. They've already drifted from it. Yeah. So before Leviticus, God's people are in full-blown rebellion. Yeah. Think of like the Ten Commandments scene where <laughs> Moses comes down, throws the tablets at him, and you know Aaron's been hoodwinked into building a golden calf and all these kinds of things. So it they have completely rebelled against God. When we start with the next book, Numbers, now Moses is back with access to mm-hmm. God. Even going back to the Garden of Eden, the big problem is with sin, with the entrance of sin into humanity, into this world, the fall of humankind we lose God's presence in mm-hmm. our lives. Yeah. And so now Moses yeah. can't get into the presence of God, into the tabernacle before Leviticus, before God says, here, let me reestablish again for you what this covenant, what this relationship is supposed to be about. And then by the end of Le- Leviticus, now there's access again. So God is saying, uh, I'm God. I love you. I care mm-hmm. for you. I care for you so much that I'm not going to let you go and stay in rebellion. I'm calling you back to repentance. I'm calling you to turn back to me so that I can have communion with you, so that I can, so my presence can be a part of your daily life. Even though you're not in the kingdom of heaven yet, which takes us back to Mark's gospel, mm-hmm. Jesus comes and introduces that. But the presence of God is really key here. Mm-hmm. And God's trying to reestablish that quickly, then, format wise, this might help some people. So there's, there's three big things going on around Leviticus, and it's, and it's organized in a certain sort of way where there's rituals at the beginning and in the end. Mm-hmm. There's priests who are called inside of that, sandwiched inside of that beginning and end. And then inside of that, there's the purity laws inside and out of that. And then there's two chapters right in the middle on the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of leads into God's trying to say, atone for your sins. Here's how you do it through these rituals with these priests and with these purity laws, both coming into it and coming out of it. And that's going to allow my presence to get closer to you in your life. Now that's heavy. And that's why probably Bible geeks like us really get into it. But what I want even just like the the first time reader of scripture to hear and all that is God wants access to your life. And he wants to give you access to his presence in your Mm -hmm. life because life goes way better when that happens. Mm. And that doesn't mean everything we're reading about here still applies in our world today because Jesus, new covenant, all those kinds of things. But it does tell us about the nature of God yes. and how merciful God is ultimately. Yes, and, and the, the thing about all of these laws and, and I mean, the word Leviticus 
yes. comes from the Levites, yes. which is the priests. It's yes. like this is what the priests are, are yep. dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the priests who are mediating the, the presence of God are helping to restore that relationship with God. And so this is actually a book that for a lot of people is like, oh, this is just a bunch of rules that don't apply anymore. Mm-hmm. Details. It's actually a book of how God is gracious. Oh man, yeah. Mm-hmm. How God Absolutely. makes a way. That's it. When we don't mm-hmm. have a way to make up for our sin. I heard I heard mm-hmm. that someone uh, talking about sin once they said, imagine you were supposed to be uh, working. You're on the clock 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you fall asleep for an hour. How are you supposed to make it up? You can't, right? There's just no way. Right. And the same thing mm-hmm. for us when we're when we are called to be holy. In fact, that's one of the key verses in the book of Leviticus is, yes. is that uh, you're to be holy because I am holy, God says. And so we're called to be holy. He makes a way for us when we're not mm-hmm. to be made holy and righteous in his sight again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Jesus, he comes along, and we talked about this uh, in Matthew Matthew chapter 7 on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, is that he comes to fulfill that law, mm-hmm. that he is the mm-hmm. completion and the culmination mm-hmm. of the one who makes us right with God. Yeah. That word holy means set apart. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up, Nick, because that leads into our next question, really, because it, it, it's it's about these things that that lead to what what is it the disciples see? What is it we see in God um, that reminds us above all else that we would drop our nets and, and follow Jesus and get into a relationship with God. So, right. Next question is, why would four fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, and John, quit their jobs on the spot and leave home to follow Jesus? Our uh, our super cool um, studio crew called this one quiet quitting, which is... Trendy you know, phrase right now. Yeah, trendy way yeah. To, to talk about it. So, Nick? Yeah. Well, and I, I wouldn't call it so quiet uh, because, yeah. you know, dad yeah. who ran the business said, okay, well, I guess you're going. Right. Uh, but even dad was excited for them because a rabbi was talking to someone of their status. Mm-hmm. I mean, rabbis and fishermen, total opposites. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just did not, they did not go in the same circles. And so for a rabbi to come and say, I want you to mm-hmm. follow me. Mm-hmm. And they didn't see any other rich people or any other, you know, more, more privileged people and uh, just higher status people. It was they were the first being called. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a rabbi's first choice. That means that my future is changing. Mm-hmm. And that means that there's something something for me uh, that's bigger and better. And none of them had any clue how much bigger and how much better right. uh, that, that that would yeah. be. Yeah. But culturally speaking, for a rabbi to call a fisherman was like, whoa. And so they essentially got, um, uh, got a, a whole new life offered mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, they went. When I think of the phrase, follow me, and this is so important because in a lot of, of American Christianity, it's framed around what you got to do to follow Jesus, sure. you know, and, mm. and, you know, it's, you know, and, and so are you doing enough, you know, and and yet the phrase, follow me, would have never been regarded as a demand to do something. It would be like, here, you want a, you know, a, a, a golden card to Disney World? Mm. You know, uh, it, it literally meant I want... I think you are good enough to learn how to be a rabbi. And, and, and people, I mean, they did all kinds of things just to hear the word follow me. And here comes four people who didn't do a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is interesting because it's also a model of God's grace. Mm-hmm. And there we are in the boat. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that's uh-huh. our part in this story yeah. is, is we haven't done anything to earn the invitation to follow Jesus. Yeah. And yet it comes. 
um, you know, like you said, Nick, we got the rabbi. That's for Mrs. Mm-hmm. Maisel's fan, Mrs. Maisel fans. Nobody else will get it. <laughs> but, but they got the rabbi. And not only that, um, the fact that they would drop their nets immediately at yeah. once in yeah. the NLT translation of the original Greek really points to they're seeing something in Jesus that is holy. It mm-hmm. gets back to Leviticus yeah. then, that, that is set apart. Like, there must be something about him. Because... Okay, my, my parents grew up in Ketchikan, Alaska, which is like the salmon fishing capital of the Pacific United States. Most of the people who lived in Ketchikan when they were growing up uh, were fishermen. And they would go out and in the morning, they'd come back at night, and they'd have their, their salmon, their fish, and everything else they caught, and that was it. I can't imagine having visited there a few times as a kid going up to them. These are salt of the earth, literally, you know, blue collar as it gets hardworking, um, you know, labor intensive kinds of folks. You can imagine anybody going up to them and say, just on a whim, uh, follow me, mm-hmm. drop, drop here. And if they did, they'd be laughed at. It was like, mm-hmm. We've got work to do. We've got jobs. We've got families. We've got we've got houses to pay for. We've got we've got bills to pay. Um, we we've got stuff that we got fish to go catch today. We don't know you. How? Why would we follow you? Why? What? What? It? Well, there's something holy about Jesus. So again, Mark's telling us who Jesus is without telling us who he is. And, and this is the good part about reading all four Gospels, because when you look at, I think it's Luke's, Luke's version of this call story, yep. mm-hmm. they actually heard Jesus teach for a little bit. Yeah. And then when Jesus came and called them, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that guy yeah. with that teaching? Yeah. Oh, I will, I will go. Yeah. And so when yeah. we encounter the holiness of Jesus, mm-hmm. when we encounter God's word, mm-hmm. it's, um, it moves us. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. and the, I love the image of dropping their nets and... Um, Man, there's there's so many things that we hold on to, and we'll mm-hmm. say, "Well, Jesus, I'll follow you if I can still hold on to my net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll 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 do that if it's convenient or if it just mm-hmm. fits within my mm-hmm. schedule." But they were the complete opposite of yeah. that. They saw how good the deal was, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder if that's that's a struggle that a lot of a lot of folks have uh, these days is just that they're having a hard time seeing how good the offer is from yeah. Jesus. I wonder if we see mm-hmm. Jesus as holy. I mean, yeah. I, I wonder if yeah. we if we let God be God in yeah. this, in in the story of our lives, not mm-hmm. just the stories we're mm-hmm. reading, but do we let Jesus approach us the way the disciples did? To their credit, mm. yeah. um, mm-hmm. not only did they leave their jobs, they ended up leaving home. I mean, they they let left their towns. Yeah. They, it's not like they were going home every night at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably stopped by once in a while. We get hints of that. You know, Peter's mother in law is going to be healed yeah. uh, pretty soon after he starts following Jesus, but. They're they're going to be heading out. They're going to be they're giving up everything that's familiar to them, everything mm-hmm. that they know. Mm-hmm. The only way is yet yeah, they they heard Jesus do some teaching. Mark's gospel doesn't say it, but the other ones do, so we mm-hmm. can fill in those blanks, color that in a little bit. But man, that's still a huge <laughs> one <laughs> if, sermon. If, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm moving. I'm I'm just going to leave home and and go. There's something holy about Jesus, and what they saw, mm-hmm. we could see too. Uh, and to let God be God, I think, would be where we find ourselves in this story. Yeah. It's yeah. a good story. Yeah. yeah. Next, how can a modern reader make sense of stories in Mark about Jesus casting out demons? Mm-hmm. Richard. Oh, do Richard, that start us out. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll start. First of all, demons, yes, they're a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But we want to... What cut. are they? That would be a good one to ask. Um, 
They are rebellious angels. What's an angel? An angel is a divine messenger from God. God created divine messengers because God loves teamwork. So God always, and he created us because he loves teamwork. He loves friends. Mm -hmm. And these are folks who rebelled and and thought they could run the universe better than God could. Um, Fighting on behalf of evil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, the the name demon actually is an insult. It means the B team. Um, it's, it's the JV. It's the JV. <laughs> they don't think they're that, but uh-huh. they're the. And Paul uses that. The Apostle Paul uses that term in his epistles, where he refers to them as second-rate gods or second-rate deities or okay. spiritual beings. So, um, what's Jesus doing? Well. One of the things, these guys are just grumpy, and, and first of all, they only have one thing. Uh, I'm going to answer a real quick question. Can Christians be possessed by demons? No, because God owns us. Amen. End of subject. That's, that's Romans 8, the whole chapter. Uh, nothing separates us from God's love. But these grumpy critters uh, can sometimes make our lives a little bit miserable. They're subtle. In fact, they prefer to be subtle because they just want to kind of push us in the direction we're going when we're kind of all about ourselves. So the the Hollywood version of demons and possession and all those things might not exactly be in alignment with biblical uh, accounts of these things. I would say that to, to put it to put it as as kindly as I could. Yeah, The Exorcist. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, the Ancient of Days. Uh uh-uh. uh. You know uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know with the, with the big old horns terrorizing the people of L.A. Uh uh-uh. uh. And yet the people we read about in Mark's Gospel are mm-hmm. are struggling. I mean they they yeah. they, they yeah. definitely mm-hmm. are not having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good life. Yep, mm-hmm. and 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 this is and again we talk about subtlety. This is really important because we don't want to be running around looking for a demon under every rock. Mm-hmm. Or you can, and, you can get overly obsessed with these oh, yeah. things. And and you know there are religious people who, when someone's struggling mentally, they say, "Oh, you have a demon." Yeah. Well, that's not helpful. Um, but there are times when um, there's there's two there's one basic tool that the demonic has, and it's deception. There it is. They can lie, they they lie and they're clever at it. And the two versions typically are counterfeit. That's the more subtle. The other one and the other is when that doesn't work, then it's intimidation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, there's no substance to it. Um, and the most important thing I can tell you, and you, you know, you're thinking, well, what do I do to keep from having demons around me? Um, just go to the promises of Christ. What about for people who feel like mm-hmm. they're struggling with mm-hmm. evil? What, what would you say as mm-hmm. pastors mm-hmm. to to somebody who says, I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm possessed by a demon, but mm-hmm. really feel like there's, I'm getting attacked. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. I, I think that's yeah. language yeah. that I hear a lot. A I lot feel, I, I mm-hmm. feel it mm-hmm. in my day-to-day life mm-hmm. from yeah. time to time, oh, in different yeah. seasons. Feel like the attacks get more mm-hmm. intense, get more blatant, mm-hmm. get more intimidating. To oh, use a word that absolutely. you just shared, yep. what would you say? Because you just said Christians can't be possessed by mm-hmm. by demons, mm-hmm. but what would you say to Christians who are feeling attacked by evil or, or facing darkness mm-hmm. and trying to deal with it? First thing is don't deal with it alone. That's um, good. I would say That's go to really someone good. you trust at your church, um, at specifically at Hope, at risk of suddenly getting a zillion emails. We're available. Seriously. That's okay. Bring yeah, yeah, we'll take yeah. the emails. Yeah. We'll, we'll take the appointments because mm-hmm. we want we want life, mm-hmm. and we can pray with you. We can talk about the truth of who you really are, as opposed to some of the lies often that that the demonics like to whisper in our ears. We have a healing prayer service tonight yeah. in yeah. the chapel at six p.m. Oh, that's yeah. it's such that's, a good service. You you got to come. Yep, yeah. and, and they're come. fully equipped to handle the critters, yeah. um, and. Well, it's really funny because in the book of Revelation, John literally starts making fun of demons. A lot of uh, we we sometimes don't get it because we're a bunch of twenty first century Westerners. Right. But in, in his context, he was mocking them, yeah. 
And, and, and so the other thing is we can show you and you can own for yourselves the truth of Scripture so you can begin to discern when, when someone is trying to sell you a bill of goods. And, 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 and also, you know, we work together with counselors because it isn't either mental health or demons. In fact, Scripture knows the difference. You can see it in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would also add to, uh, because I've, I've talked to a lot of folks recently that um, it, it's become, I think, more trendy uh, to dabble in things like crystals and mm-hmm. uh, Ouija yeah. boards. And mm-hmm. I, I think that was like a thing of the eighties and then stranger things like inspired some folks or something, no, something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, but honestly, I I've had multiple conversations of people that are like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They got this crystal around their neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think there's actually, I think it's a rock mm-hmm. is what I believe. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's just a rock, mm-hmm. but what it means to some people opens their hearts to, to things that, mm-hmm that really just don't want to be open to it. it it's okay to have boundaries with evil. In fact, we're, yeah. we should have boundaries with evil. A hundred percent. And, and so now that might sound really like spiritual and mystical, but we also should have boundaries with kind of the systematic, uh, systemic evils that we see. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the scriptures, uh, of course, in Mark, you're going to see a lot of like someone is personally wrestling with a demon. Mm-hmm. It's causing issues mm-hmm. where they're, they, it affects their health or how they relate to, to one another. Mm-hmm. But the demon of God's people mm-hmm. in the gospel of Mark is Rome yeah. mm-hmm. oppressing them, yeah. Rome yeah. Uh, carrying out evil on them. Yeah. Uh, the, the, other, the other accusers, uh, the word Satan actually means accuser in the original language. Mm-hmm. The other accusers are those that are accusing Jesus on mm-hmm. the cross and mm-hmm. saying, this is who you are. You think you're this. Mm-hmm. And that's what we wrestle with. We get accused or people groups get accused. People become oppressed. And mm-hmm. I think that it's more helpful to think in terms of um, oppression from demons than possession. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, possession, um, it, it, that language, especially for a believer, that language makes it seem that you can be controlled. Uh, but if you're a believer, well, you shouldn't ever be controlled or influenced. We all experience the the systems, the the evil that's in the world. It affects all of us. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people in the first few chapters of Mark's gospel who are um, de- dealing with this, battling this, yeah. mm-hmm. and struggling with it. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want folks to hear who might be struggling with darkness or, or wondering about it or dabbling in things, Nick, that you just mentioned they shouldn't be dabbling in. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking to dead relatives is definitely clearly um, really kind of flirting with darkness. Yeah. God says, just trust me. I've got you and I've got them. Mm -hmm. And your face should tell you that's all you need. You don't need to hear, Mm -hmm. you know, that that they have some special message for you. Mm -hmm. That's that's dabbling in some of the darker Mm -hmm. arts, if you will, spiritually speaking. But here's what I want people to hear who are struggling or or get worried or or, or fear starts to well up on this. You have nothing to be afraid of. Absolutely Absolutely nothing. nothing. Note that the Jesus who shows up in all these stories shows up with a gentle power. Mm -hmm. And I love that it's gentle. I love that it isn't like, okay, this is going to be a tough fight and Jesus Mm -hmm. is really going to sweat it out. He doesn't drop one little iota of sweat on these things. In Mm -hmm. fact, he shows up and the demons start freaking out. Just in his presence, just that he's around and they start getting, they're intimidating. They try to be, but they get intimidated yeah. Yeah. just because God is now present. Yeah. And when God is present in our lives, so for those who you don't feel like God is present, 
when Jesus goes to battle with darkness, every single time he wins. Yeah. Mark hits it real quick in Mark chapter one, where Jesus, you know, after his baptism, which is the shortest version of Jesus' baptism of the four gospels, then it's the even shorter version of Jesus getting tempted in the wilderness, but he hits it. So Jesus knows what it's like to, to have the darkness come after him, yeah. but they, it, the darkness doesn't have a chance. And so you against darkness and evil, you, 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 me, you, whoever's listening, that's not a good fight for you. You and Jesus, mm -hmm. the presence of Jesus in your life against yeah. that evil, yeah. against that darkness, the darkness doesn't have any hope whatsoever. Um, and it's nothing then to worry about. It's We do not truly, we do not mm -hmm. need to be afraid of that darkness. It's as simple as a prayer. It's as simple mm -hmm. as coming to the healing service tonight to be prayed yeah, for. Yeah, if, yeah. if that makes, mm -hmm. if, if that's a more powerful experience for you, it's mm -hmm. as simple as letting Jesus and his word yeah. into our hearts, souls, and minds. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, it's not a yeah, fair fight yeah. for the darkness. The darkness yeah. will disappear. I think remembering Jesus wins is so key. And I yeah, think the yeah. where Richard started being in community is also key because yeah. yeah. that can still feel heavy and Don't, hard to yeah. feel a little lost in that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so to have yeah. people around you to remind mm -hmm. you that Jesus wins mm -hmm. and that you don't have to be afraid of those things yeah. is really helpful. That is, is so important. And when I think of a power tool, um, we don't have to go find Jesus to get him to fight the demonic. He's taken up residence in us by the power of his spirit. All those who follow Jesus, we're yeah. Jesus' house, literally. Yeah. And, and and so it's it's about recognizing the truth that's already there. And again, that goes back mm -hmm. to community. I can say something to myself, and it might stick, but when someone else tells me the same thing, it yeah. sticks way better. Right. Yeah. Did that's I mention the healing prayer service? Yes. Which is in community. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday come. at 6 p.m. Yes. Yeah, come that's to the good. chapel. That's good. Um, next, why does uh, Jesus tell those he heals and those who witness his miracles not to tell anyone what happened? Uh, Isn't that a bad publicity move for his cause? I'll go first on this one. And this the, biblical scholars don't agree on this. I believe. Yep. Oh. Yep. Yep. And so those are like, well, I know exactly why Jesus said don't tell anyone. They, they really don't. We're making our best guess based on what's going around. And I've heard, uh, and you know, we can we can throw all the different mm -hmm. kinds of things out there. The one that's most compelling to me, just taking the text within the context, is it seems like Mark is making a big point of saying the crowds are huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The crowds are oppressive in some ways for Jesus getting his ministry done. They're getting in the way. I know there's a kingdom aspect to this, and we can talk about that, and there's some other things going on and timing and all these sorts mm -hmm. of things. But just practically, for the for the just ordinary Joe in me, right? I just want to say, it feels like there's this tension. Jesus has to get in a boat to do some of his teaching. He has mm -hmm. to keep going to the other side of the lake of the Sea of Galilee mm -hmm. to get away from the crowds. He, he can't seem to get just practically, logistically, he's having issues. And so he's mm -hmm. saying, don't say it. And that leads to a more spiritual, deeper part of that answer, which is, because I'm not here just to heal the sick and to cast mm -hmm. out demons. Yeah, and I'm good. not even here just to teach. Yeah. I'm here to go to the cross. Yeah. And ultimately, that's the mission. And we can't let anything get in the way of that. And so uh, we don't want to cause such a huge stir that, I'm, that, that our timing gets thrown off, God's mm -hmm. timing, mm -hmm. through Christ. Um, soon enough, the authorities are going to know. Soon, yeah. soon enough, mm -hmm. the whole world's going to know. Soon, yeah. soon enough, yeah. Rome's going to know, yeah. represented by Pontius Pilate on mm -hmm. trial. And mm -hmm. soon enough, all this is going to happen. But if all that happens in week one, we don't have these stories. We, we don't have the fullness of who yeah. Christ yeah. is. So don't tell anybody. It's not time yet. You know, there's multiple layers with that. And, and, and I'm so glad you unpacked it that way, because 
probably all those four or five interpretations that people say, I've got it, are probably a part of a larger way of looking. I mean, everything from the practical logistics to Jesus' own timing. Mm -hmm. And then Mark has a ton of fun with it just literarily. Oh, he does. Um, So for the first half of the book, you have the demons and the healed people crying out that Jesus is God, and he says, be quiet. And then he asks his disciples, who do you say they am? Peter kind of gets it, but not really. And Jesus turns out to be the upside-down Messiah or the right-side-up Messiah, where he, he's going to give it, he's going to rule through his crucifixion, which is really weird. Totally different talk today, so we'll go with that. But everything after that, Jesus starts talking about who he is, and now the authorities want him to shut up, with the ultimate shut up being the cross. And again, that's not an explanation, but Mark is trying to, to work something there. When Jesus finally does reveal himself intentionally, nobody wants to hear it. Well, and that's the big question, right, is, is who is this guy that's, that's going around and, and mm-hmm. casting out demons? And he's, uh, I mean, it's got all these crowds. It's not that Jesus was the only person that ever drew crowds in the right. ancient world. John the Baptist. John yeah. the Baptist mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. now I... I venture to guess that they didn't quite draw the crowds like Jesus did. He's he's drawing big crowds real quick. Yes. Uh, And and so Jesus is, I mean, he's working hard. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes at Hope, uh, I... Uh, what you were just saying about like just the practical logistics. Mm-hmm. What, I think on a Wednesday night in student ministry, yeah. we have a special <laughs> night, uh, a brain health night where we're bringing parents in and we're like, where are we going to put everybody? Uh-huh. And and there's a lot mm-hmm. that goes into making that happen. Uh, now, I don't think that Jesus is like trying to squash the mission. He sees it all. Uh, we don't get mm-hmm. to see it all as, mm-hmm. as pastors and ministers trying to mm-hmm. trying to figure it all out. But he, Do you think he Jesus had parking it. attendants out in the parking <laughs> lot? Just, just, just throw that out there. Well, he didn't have a sound. Greeters. He didn't have a sound system, no, you know. No, so no. You, there had to be some way of, of moving that many people through. And and so as mm-hmm. as he's doing those things, uh, I I agree with you, Pastor Mike. That, that there's some real logistical considerations, which mm-hmm. isn't that kind of cool to know that yeah. Jesus was dealing with the same things that we we mm-hmm. deal with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but back to the the main thing is that the big question is, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Is this is this guy? Really, what Mark said at the beginning, the, mm-hmm. the son of God, yeah. because that's what Caesar yeah. says about himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's a pretty uh, bold statement. Mm-hmm. And so uh, is this guy really the son of God? Yeah. 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 Next is, is Jesus anti-family? And did he disrespect his mother and brothers in Mark 3, verses 31 through 35? Mm-hmm. Did he? Mick, why don't you go first? Yes. <laughs> Jesus is anti-family. No, he's not yeah. anti-family. Uh, Jesus invented families. Okay. Uh, and so Jesus is pro-family. The reason why this really comes off, um, uh, almost it almost seems rude when we look at the scene and we say, okay, mm-hmm. there's all these just strangers that, mm-hmm. I mean, like, who are they to you? And then your mom's coming up and saying, hey, uh, we need to talk to you. Your, your brothers are coming up. Hey, w- what's going on? And... Really, they're worried about their family member getting killed. Yes. That's what they're most concerned about mm-hmm. is, hey, you're saying really revolutionary things, and we don't, I, I mean... We love you, Mary, and we're worried. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so uh, Jesus, he knows this, but he also knows his mission. He also knows why he's there. And so, um, and the other thing I'll say about family is that Jesus... Uh, he, he says, who are my sisters? Who are my yeah. brothers? He, he looks at them and says, these are my sisters and my brothers because they are, mm-hmm. they, they actually are. And so while, uh, you know, the, if you like took Jesus's DNA, 
Mary's DNA is mm-hmm. closer the the genes and everything. Like that they're yeah, blood relatives. Yeah. But also they're all children of Abraham in the covenant of God. Mm-hmm. They're also uh, made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. They're also called to live eternally in God's family. Yeah. And so, yes, these are Jesus's sisters and brothers and Jesus mm-hmm. values them mm-hmm. just as much as he values his mother. He died for his mother's sins on the cross, but he dies for his own sin or for the sins of those that are around him on the cross as well. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus isn't saying, ah, forget my mom. I mean, for goodness sakes, it's his commandment to honor your mother and father, right? Yeah, and seriously. so uh, J- Jesus, really what he's doing is he's saying, no, I know what my mission is. Uh, he's setting a healthy boundary with his family, which <laughs> that can be hard to do, right? Uh, he sets a healthy boundary with his family and he continues on his mission uh, because he is sitting before and teaching and saving his whole family. You know, one of the things I I think we all do in premarriage counseling is we talk about if you let Christ become between you two, you'll actually be more intimate than if you don't. That's good. And and we say the same with the family is is if if Christ is in the center of the family, then the family is is healthier, has deeper intimacy, and the relationships are are just amazing. And that's different from just being a family that's you know, religious, mm-hmm. yeah, but a yeah. family that's embodying yeah. and uh, the love of Christ, mm-hmm. practicing grace with mm-hmm. one another. Um, the, those those things are are two different things. Because I know so many people mm-hmm. that grew up in religious families yeah. and would say that's the reason why my family is broken. Uh, and you might look at a passage like this and be like, "See, mm-hmm. Jesus is just like my dad." Mm-hmm. No, if you look at the actual actual context of it, mm-hmm. Jesus is isn't valuing. Um, valuing someone lower, but valuing more people higher. Nick, that's huge. Um, People sometimes, you know, like the phrase put Christ first is often code for put religion first or put our church first. And and no, literally Jesus is your first relative. And on that basis, we have the capacity to love each other. And when church and religion is good, church and religion is helping you do that. That's right. Putting Christ at the center Mm -hmm. of your life, the center of your family life, the center of your work life, the center Mm -hmm. of your social life, and on and on it goes. I think that's a huge part of what's going on here. You guys did a great job responding to that. I think it's also worth noting for our readers, verse 21. The fam- before Jesus said the radical stuff in verses 34 and 35, well, who's my mother and who's my brothers? I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Nick, your point is really good that he's not excluding his mother and brothers by saying that. He's just widening the circle of inclusion to say mm-hmm. the family of God goes bigger than just your biological family. It's mm-hmm. kind of nice, especially mm-hmm. for those of you who are listening right now and feeling all alone. It's like, That's well, right. I don't really have family. I don't really have it. Yeah, you actually do. You've got a massive family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your church is your family and your sisters and brothers in Christ yeah. are yeah. true family. Family, not yeah. like second-rate family. Yeah. It's it's the real deal. So that's part of the radical teaching here. But verse 21, it says, when Jesus' family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they yeah. said. Yeah. 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 And so uh-huh. part of Jesus' response is to say, yeah, nothing's going to get in the way of this mission. Yeah. <laughs> Even when my family misunderstands what I'm doing, mm-hmm. I still love them. Mm-hmm. I'm still including them. I'm st- I still want them mm-hmm. to be mother and brothers. Yeah. I still respect them. That's pretty clear because when Jesus gets to the cross... He still seems to have a great passion to make sure his mother is taken care of yeah. by John. And so it's not like he's divorcing his family here in, on any level whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But he is responding to verse 21 where he's saying, yeah, you know what? And it's the same for us, too. Mm-hmm. We want to be sure that we don't fall into religiosity or, or into traps with that and say, well... Putting Jesus first means, you know, always keeping family out of it and, and becoming just a jerk to our families. 
But it does mean when family does something that keeps us from Christ, mm-hmm. Christ comes first. Yep. And, and yeah. we do have to prioritize that in that sense. Uh, but Jesus is never going to have us say, well, who cares about your family? Yeah. It's going to be an opportunity for us then to try to draw our family into Christ mm-hmm. more, but not let them detour us away from mm-hmm. Christ, if that makes sense. You mentioned people who say, I don't have families for whatever reason. I want to circle right back on, on Thursdays um, and just put a shout out for small groups. Yeah. Now, small groups are just like families where you will enjoy community and you will do the hard work of getting along. Right. Which healthy families do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is coming up in a few weeks, Thursdays yep. mm-hmm. at noon. Yeah. Um, come find your family if you don't already Absolutely. have a hope group or yeah. bring your family and uh, let's dive yeah. in deeper. Yeah. That's good. Let's do our deeper dive. Our question is, why did Jesus forgive the sins of the paralyzed man before healing him? Uh, let me let me just set the table on this one a little bit. You already referred to this, uh, Richard, earlier in this episode. So Jesus is healing. Let's just kind of set the scene. Um, Mark chapter 2, Jesus is in a house. It's super crowded. So we go back to the crowd problem. Mm-hmm. And these four friends have a friend who's paralyzed and they want Jesus to heal him. And they think he can't because they've seen some of his work or they've heard about it. And that's what's drawing some of the crowds is, hey, if you have somebody you love who's sick, bring them to Jesus. So that's going to attract a bit of a crowd. So they bring him in. They lower their paralyzed friend to Jesus, break open the roof and the whole thing. It's a pretty dramatic story. It's a pretty cool story. It plays really well, you know, in Hollywood versions of this. But the most fascinating thing about the story to me, and I think the thing that would cause readers, and Mark's just full of these, isn't he? He's like, I'm going to tell the story. You're going to think you know what's going to happen. Here comes somebody who needs to be healed, like a bunch of other stories before and after, and Jesus heals him. But right in the middle of it, I'm going to have Jesus throw everybody a curveball, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, hey, we, we went to all this trouble to bring our friend to you, Jesus. And Jesus says, great, I'm going to give him exactly what he needs. And everybody thinks healing, but Jesus is full of surprises. Mm-hmm. I can't emphasize that point enough. All throughout Mark's gospel, that's got to be one of the two or three biggest themes. Jesus is full of surprises. And not just then, but he should be for us today, too. I mean, good ones. Ones we may not understand at first, but he's this unexpected Messiah. And so what Jesus says is, let me give you exactly what you need. Your sins are forgiven. What? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, he's paralyzed, and uh-huh. what he really needs is for you to heal him from his paralysis. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I'll get to that. But first things first. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. the it wasn't just like, what? Uh, because he didn't heal him physically right there. I mean, really what he was Healing doing, happened. There. Yeah. Healing yeah. did happen. Mm-hmm. That, that was Big a real time. healing. In yeah. fact, the, the healing that will impact more than just the rest of his life, but the rest of his eternity. Mm-hmm. The... But the other thing is that he forgave sins. And this is what you were mentioning earlier. A normal guy is not allowed to just forgive sins. I can't go around and just say, well, I think you're forgiven. So Mm -hmm. you're forgiven. That's, that would be like if, if, you know, not that you would ever commit a crime, Emily, Mm -hmm. but if you committed a crime and I said, oh, you know, you're fine. If a police officer comes over and says you committed a crime, and I said, well, mm-hmm. I think they're fine. So mm-hmm. that's just not going to fly. And so everyone's like, who does this guy think that he is? And he thinks that he's God because he is God. And so it's it's radical on two sides. One, that he's starting with the forgiveness, which is mm-hmm. bigger, but also that he is he's actually forgiving, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't anyone's job but yeah. God. Well, oh, the implications of that are huge. Yes. And, sorry, mm-hmm. one more thing. Mm-hmm. I, this may be my favorite part of this story that just kind of like th- throws a, throws us for a loop because we're so like, 
whatever you think and you do, that's what is going to earn you favor with God. That That's just kind of ingrained into us as human beings. I love in verse five, it says seeing, it doesn't say the paralyzed man's faith. It says seeing their faith, there being the group of people that brought this paralyzed man to Jesus, seeing their faith in Jesus. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, mm. your sins are forgiven. Mm. It's amazing what the faith of the community around you can do yeah. for you. Yeah. It's amazing. And so I, I just encourage all the listeners, uh, make sure you're surrounded with some, some faithful folks mm-hmm. that, that love you. Oh, huge. It's so powerful. I, I heard a, a rather whimsical interpretation of the forgiveness as well, which I might actually have some plausibility is, you know, down comes the guy, you know, from the roof and Jesus looks up at the roof, looks down at him, looks up at the roof, says, <laughs> I, I forgive you going. for ripping my roof apart. <laughs> you're forgiven. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's <laughs> funny. We got, we got a little follow up here. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually... Clean up an aisle too. Yeah, uh, I, you're I think it's much deeper than that. So that is not, and that's not my go-to interpretation. No, but that's good. I, I think because we got to land this plane and wrap mm-hmm. things up. Uh, but I, I think it's important to say this. That when it comes to our walk with Christ, mm-hmm. what is it we're really truly looking for? I mean, yeah. us, the yeah. readers, not just what what are the paralyzed man and his friends looking for here? Jesus heals, and he's going to do that for sure. But what he offers us mm-hmm. is something that's going to last forever. Yeah. And when we reduce Christianity to what can Jesus do for me, um, just in a personal, private, selfish even kind mm-hmm. of way, not that getting healed of paralysis is selfish at any level whatsoever, yeah. Um, I've got physical ailments. I know uh, we all have stuff, yeah. right? Eventually, we're all going to have some physical stuff that we have to deal with. I would love for Jesus to heal that. I would love for Jesus to heal that for my loved ones who who battle with stuff. I pray for that constantly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean my faith is less than. But when it's all said and done, the thing that's going to last the longest yeah. is the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you what you need first. Mm-hmm. First, let let's put first things first and give you a healing that's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we can seek that first from Christ, mm-hmm. uh, other things are going to start to line up, yeah. I think, in mm-hmm. ways that maybe mm-hmm. we will miss out on if if we don't get those priorities. And there's a whole book written on that called Leviticus. Yeah, back to Leviticus, <laughs> yes. which, again, we're very passionate about. Yes. Yeah. Emily, what do you think of all this? I think it's good stuff. Mark yeah. is going to be good. Mark is we have good. A yeah. couple more weeks of it. Leviticus is good. Yeah. And we'll be done with that this week. And then, <laughs> yes. Then but we'll now go, everyone's like, okay, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and, then we'll, and then you'll it's miss it. Bit, yeah. right? And then we'll turn to numbers, which is <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> but also very exciting mm-hmm. in its own way for all sorts of other reasons, which we'll hit next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Um, we love you. God loves you even more. Uh, He wants to forgive your sins. He wants to heal you. He wants to remind you um, of his gentle power for you in your day-to-day life, the things we've talked about today, among many, many other things. Um, It's just good to be in the Word, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And I I love that. Thanks for doing that. Stick with it. Keep the faith. Keep reading. Uh, Keep reading it, learning it, and living it out. And we will see you this Sunday at worship. for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and we'll see you next time.